behind every interesting person is a great story. This is Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Person of Interest with Natalie Jones podcast. That's me. Today we have Richard Cook. Richard Cook is a staple in the LGBTQA community here in Cincinnati. He is behind, he and his partner are behind the T-Dances and the bar E19. And he's just, he's from Wales. He has the most beautiful accent. He speaks so eloquently and softly. And I freaking love this man. We really, really hit it off. And I asked him a lot of really deep questions. We kind of go on tangents. And also we had technical difficulties because I am trying to press all the right buttons here. And so in true podcasting form, I have just replaced it around. We start it by Gober and do what we can. I didn't add any bells and whistles to it because that's not what we do here. I hope you all enjoy every word this man says is worth listening to. I love him and all of everything about this. This is Richard Cook, everybody. But so tell me a little bit more. Okay, so with E19, you obviously have all of these things as like leadership skills. I'm like, I just want to like listen to you and take notes all day. You should start a web series, do a TED Talk. Have you done a TED Talk yet? I have not, no. That is so surprising <laughs> to me. That's why I was like, in the research, I didn't find it even like, but sometimes you don't catch it all, you know? I don't know. Um, so why is E19 called E19? It's pretty simple. Okay. Uh, so, so. When when I was thinking about names for the bar, I had all, a list of about fifty names, mm-hmm. and I had all these names that really were, I don't know, you could think of them as being sort of stereotypical. For Ooh, tell me a couple. Um, uh, Atlas. Okay. London Town. <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Um, Elm Bar, Elm Blue Lounge. Uh, mm. I like M Bar, <laughs> Blue Lounge. I'm glad it's not. Called well, Blue so we were talking with my family, my my son and daughter, uh, one evening over wine, and I was like, I'm struggling with these names, and I I I read out all these names, and they were like, Nah, that's not cutting it. Nah, that's that that's that's t- you know that sounds like too much of a gay bar, and I wanted a name that was inclusive. Mm-hmm. I want a name that people could feel, when they hear the name, it's like, yeah, I think I could belong there. I, I okay. didn't want a name that that excluded people from the get-go. Okay. So uh, I thought that, so we're, we're, we're on the intersection of Elm and Findlay. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that that was 19th Street, not Findlay. <laughs> But I guess technically, I guess technically is because it's like nineteenth block, nineteen hundred block, because okay. we're at we're at nineteen oh five Elm Street. Okay. So for the longest time, I was like, you know, we're at Elm and nineteenth, and so we're having this conversation, and so my daughter said, "Why don't you call it E nineteen Elm and nineteenth? Wow. So hey. I like the ring of that, and yes. and then we started to play around with logos and mm-hmm. sort of logo concepts which is fun uh so talk about you know the right side of the brain yeah so we started to play around with logos and concepts and i i don't know if you've seen the e19 logo it's an e and the one and the 19 yeah. it's a vertical presentation mm-hmm. which which i think um 
is 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 fun, is playful, um, but it also it's done so well. The whole marketing of all of it is just it's done so well. It's very on point. It's clean. It's beautiful. It delivers. I love it. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's so 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 that's sort of the long answer for why it's E nineteen. It what is it? What are your kids' names? Uh, my son is James, mm-hmm. uh, and my daughter is Olivia. And how old are they? James is thirty one, and Olivia is twenty six. So they've flown the nest, and they're both here in Cincinnati right now. Okay. Uh, James is married to Lauren, and. Uh, they live in Columbia, Tusculum. Livia is working remotely back in Cincinnati. She works for um, a tech company in Boston. Mm-hmm. So she is, she's the um, uh, the, the e-commerce uh, director for for the marketing arm of this company. Oh wow! And she is well. I mean, she came up. Well, thank you very much, Olivia, for coming up with the name. <laughs> it's a great name. And so she helps me with a lot of social media for E19. Oh, that's great yeah. because um, I feel like I connect. It must be her, but she doesn't run the Instagram account. Who she is does. The, she is Olivia yeah. has the Instagram account. Yeah, she do, she does the Instagram account. Oh, okay. It's Olivia then who I um, have connected with multiple times. Right. Or that's whatnot. Cr- that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. She said, "Dad, Dad, guess what? Uh, Nat- Natalie Jones wants to talk to you." <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, you need to do this." <laughs> um. I I was told that somebody else did it. Somebody I don't I don't I don't know. Somebody told me I guess there are rumors going around of who's running that Instagram account because uh, it's Olivia and she's doing a fine job. She really is a fan freaking tastic job. And so were you really scared when COVID hit about the opening of this because you opened mid COVID? We opened right. So so we started the construction in April, mm-hmm. uh, which was very scary. Because we were in, in the middle of, of a shutdown. But two years in the process, but you started construction in April. This April. Okay. And so so we were just trying to gauge, you know, is this going to be over by the time we open? Obviously not. Yeah. Uh, so it, we just kept going. Uh, I had a great construction team. I worked with Urban Sites Construction. Mm-hmm incredibly supportive uh, uh, and they have their they're all over the city they're really progressive and really part of the um the overturn the over yeah the overturn of what's the word i'm, I'm looking for gentrification <laughs> redevelopment oh, redevelopment redevelopment that's right of um of cincinnati so i feel like them and like model group are pretty big in it and cdc yes yeah so so all of these organizations are doing terrific work uh, i was specifically working with urban sites uh, an absolute pleasure to to work with the team so professional friendly uh nothing's too much trouble uh and we we got this done in 122 days oh my god it's great when you think about the complexity and Mm -hmm. the sophistication of the decor and uh the lighting and the sound and it it was it's wonderful and and it's i can't imagine especially making everything distance because even in our distance time you can still host you can still have a great time and host a bunch of people and it doesn't feel awkward because you go to a lot of places right now there are a lot of challenges and it just seems bizarre and that is not that way in u19 at all thank you natalie we 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 obviously had to pivot Mm -hmm. from our expectation was our opening our opening week events and parties had to really obviously be 
completely scaled back. Yeah. It was it was nothing like we you know wanted it to be. Obviously, yeah. Uh, we have four hundred uh, capa- four hundred people capacity there, and so with the social distancing requirements, um, our occupancy now is at one hundred and two. So Ooh. it's a quarter. So it's a twenty five percent occupancy. It's still a nice number of people. It is, yeah. Uh, and it's, but it's a it's a large number of people to sort of constantly manage mm-hmm. and make sure that everyone's following the protocol. you know the protocols that we have in place, and we have very stringent protocols in place. Were you worried when you opened that you were going to be bombarded with with um, with a lot of people and a lot of attention, and like how are you going to keep this within COVID? You know, we we were, yeah. and we were, <laughs> <That's> a, yeah. <laughs> We were, and so we learned a lot in the first couple of weeks, and mm. uh, w- we we do have very stringent protocols that uh, that are considered best practice um, in the industry, and exceed CDC guidelines. Well, and you guys do it with a smile on your face. There's nothing worse than going to in these crazy times, going to a bar, or restaurant, and. God forbid you drink a beer, you get up to go to the bathroom and you forget to put your mask up or something. And people are very rude to you about it, you know, and you guys are not that way at all. I just speak in the praises. And also, can I say, um, E19 is a place to be seen. Hair flip. Every time I'm there, I get DM'd like, I saw you at E19. And I'm like, who are these people? Like strangers, literally strangers. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right. Well, we have we have some cool elements there mm-hmm. that are Instagram, you know, that, that can um, help with your Instagrammable moments. Yeah. So we have some beautiful murals that were painted by Jenny Eustick and her team. Uh, do you know Jenny? I do not. So she's painted a number of murals in OTR, and so she is professor of fine art at DAP. Okay. And so she and her team painted these incredible murals inside uh, E19. They're beautiful. How long, when did they start doing those? So th- I think it was probably about uh, six weeks out from opening. Okay. So we needed to make sure that, you know, all of the major construction mm-hmm. had been completed first before Jenny and team came in and started doing their their work. We didn't want that to be spoiled in any way. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about the notion? You have to um, obviously, if you're if you're not part of the future, then you're stuck in the past. Do you feel that there is the gay community is leading um, in your position in it that you're like leading the future and do you like where it's going wow natalie it's uh that's uh, that's a deep thought-provoking question <laughs> it just uh, came to me. yeah <laughs> gosh darn uh <laughs> let me see how let me think about this so uh i i, I do think that uh i do think that we in the gay community um, have had to figure out a lot on our own, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're, we're really, really good at um, creating our future because we, what's the alternative? And we have allies, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, sometimes we have to take action. Um, and, and I think we're really good at that. When you look at interior design, when you look at the service and hospitality industry, uh, how many times have you been at a hotel, a bar, or a restaurant served by a, a gay person? Yeah. And and the level of service and friendliness that you get. I feel like there's a level of freedom 
whether you realize it or not, that you're providing freedom and confidence. And I feel like this did not exist. I mean, in my experience, so I um, moved out of Over the Rhine in 2011 and then moved back last year. And through that time, I moved to the West Coast or I just moved out of Cincinnati and came back. And it was a completely different city when I moved back. And a huge part of it was the strong presence and comfortable presence of the gay community in Cincinnati. I felt like it was maybe starting, like I said, I would uh, the Chris Seelbach rally, I remember mm-hmm. was one of the last things I did before I moved. It yeah. was, that was in the spring, it was still a little chilly. It was March, and then like that May I moved. And um, I feel like so much was accomplished when I was gone, you know? And if you guys are, do you feel like it's still moving in that upward trajectory? Yeah, I, you say you keep two steps forward, one step back. You know. Yeah, still- I still think we're moving forward. Yes, I yeah. think there's greater awareness and acceptance uh, a- across the city and 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 the Cincinnati city area, greater Cincinnati area. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much so in the suburbs, perhaps. Well. Right, <laughs> but um, yeah, we're trying. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, you know, so let's let's talk about Cincinnati and Hamilton County because you know, oh boy yeah <laughs> outside of outside of that that um, environment uh, it's a little bit different wow I guess I forget I'm a downtowner and my mind doesn't go to the I mean it's crazy I mean let's just Donald Trump was our president how the fuck did that even happen for so long mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I guess America isn't exactly where we want it to be but it is a lot of like I said time you know what I mean? Like I feel like you can't force people. It's never it's never a smooth, perfect process by yeah. any means. Uh, and so I think if you look at larger spaces of time, like so when you mentioned that you were on the West Coast, so how many years was that? Um, seven, six. Right. Six so when you look at years, I was gone. Yeah. Yes. So when you look at the journey in that amount of time, then it looks it feels like there's a lot of progress yeah but you know at any moment in time it could you know it's 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 not perfect it's not a straight line mm-hmm. uh it's uh, and 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 democracy is like that right so yeah. de- democracy is never perfect uh and so we're seeing that right now uh and, and it does win through eventually but it gets a bit wobbly sometimes on the journey mm-hmm. and i would say the same thing for the journey of lgbtq plus acceptance um and there are pockets of acceptance and there are pockets of resistance. Cincinnati, the city of Cincinnati and Hamilton County, you know, generally tends to be, you know, a, a friendly pocket of, of inclusion and support. Uh, and so uh, so many people feel, feel, you know, draw comfort from that. And it's no surprise that we're attracting more. Um, you know that our that our LGBTQ population is growing. Yeah, and it's cheaper to live here too, it and is. it's more fun. I can't. I love how many people come to Cincinnati, who have been, especially my friends of the West Coast, come here and they're like, "This place is rad." Like I always think of Detroit and Cincinnati in the same thing. Like they're like, "I never thought of Ohio until I met you." Like I would never think to come here, and I'm so glad that I have. And people just rave about Cincinnati. They do all the time. I'm like, oh, well, now it's our little. Their little secret. Don't let them come here. We can't. <laughs> I can't afford any more property taxes now. You know. Well, you know, I say to people, you have to try it before you pass judgment, right? Very so, true. And it's really interesting because I've met a number of people at E19 who have moved to Cincinnati to uh, to to sort of release at a downsize and 
simplify their lives, mm-hmm. they um, enjoy a better standard of living. Um, yeah. So so people have some people have moved from New York to Cincinnati just to um, you know they may have family here, so they've been living in the big cities and it's tough there right now. It's really tough. It's yeah. it's expensive um, and you know with depending on which city you're in, which state you're in, there are varying restrictions. And so uh, it, it does make for a more austere life. And so it was it was heartwarming to 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 meet some people who'd actually mm-hmm. moved here to uh, just to, to try and better you know uh, better themselves and and create a better life for themselves. Oh, that's I mean I can understand that. I was living in L.A. Um, latest before the last place I lived before I moved back home. And while that was very fun and very exciting, and there were a lot of great opportunities there, my quality of life was abysmal. You know, you spend the whole time in your car, (laughs) you're always mad. There's just too many things to worry about that don't matter that you have to worry about. It just is is out of control. I feel like I was like losing it a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Quality of life is, 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 is what people are you know finally you know realizing is mm-hmm. what what is the quality of my life and yeah. is this worth it yeah, and right? so i think we have a great quality of life here generally you know, within within our city you seem so calm and relaxed and cool do you get overwhelmed by all these things that you're involved in you're a father of two you're a husband you own a bar the tea dances are still a part of your life you have a full-time job where you are a leader in that do you find Yourself getting overwhelmed, and now you have to change everything with COVID. I do, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where my husband comes in. Uh, <laughs> so he's a he's a great stabilizing and calming influence in me. And so uh, when when I'm able to vent to him, to Marty, mm-hmm. when I value his opinion, uh, it's it, it it always grounds me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm 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 also a firm believer of you know I'm 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 definitely not perfect in in any way. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in I'll sometimes go to bed you know really stressed out and uh, frustrated, and I know the next day it's usually a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer of sleeping Sleep on, on it. sleeping on a problem because it fe- it does feel genuinely different. The for next sure, day. different mentality for yeah. sure. When when I'm exhausted and frustrated, that is not the time to be to be strategizing and working on solutions, unless it's yeah. a crisis, right? And you have to, yes. You have and to. then everything else fades away. You can't away. just put you there. Some things that you just can't put off. I've I've learned so many um, so many mottos from you today. Sleep on it. More is more. No excuses. No excuse is as good as a result. Ninety nine point nine percent is a pinch. One hundred is a cinch. I love this. I'm writing these down. By the way, this is going to go in the in the um, in the tea dance coffee table book. Okay, that's um, great. Well, let's take it back to um, to your beginning life. So you are are you technically can we call you Welsh because you're from Wales? I am from Wales. I am mm-hmm. from the southwest coast of Wales okay I my nationality is British but my um, my heritage is is Welsh so I was born and raised in Wales in a little town called Carmarthen and do you have any siblings I have one brother Peter where's Peter so he's two years younger than me he's a meteorologist in uh in Cornwall 
in the southwest of the UK. Oh, wonderful. So that little, you know, the UK, that sort of like, it looks like a, a, a pointy leg. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, that's where he lives. Oh, cool. Do you see him often? No, not very often. Okay. Um, <laughs> you don't go home, um, not home as much? It's, uh, so I do go home, you know, my parents are still alive, uh, so, uh, that's a blessing. It, it cool. is. And, and, uh, it's, it's always great to see them. It's not often enough, obviously uh, living here. Um, but I do try to go home at least once a year. So actually the last time I was home was in January, just before the shutdown. Oh, wow. So it's for my dad's 90th birthday. <gasps> Whoa, 90. Yeah. Wow. What's the key to long life? Do you think? I think he likes his um, his whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I thought you were going to say. He likes his whiskey, um, and you know he's always had a great sense of humor. Mm. My dad, and uh, he he doesn't he doesn't take things too seriously. He he he's sort of lived his life with a an attitude of of you know just making a joke out of something and. He's always making jokes. Oh, cool! My type yeah. of guy. And he used to play a lot of golf too. So, <laughs> so. Um, How was life growing up? So it, it's really interesting. So I, I'm I, I'm a scientist, and uh, and crazy. I, my parents were teachers. Uh, my dad was a math teacher. Uh, my uncles are scientists. One of them is is a very well known. Uh, a marine microbiologist, so he's mm. pretty famous globally. And what is his name? His name is Gareth Jones, okay. Professor Gareth Jones, uh, and so he's still working. He's like, gosh, he's 80, 85 now, and he's still working. Look him up. I am a nerd environmentalist at heart. So yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's done a he's done a lot of research into uh, marine fungi. Yeah. And he's has a few species named after him. So when if you find <gasps> so if you find a new species, right, it's, you you get them named after you. Super so, cool. Yeah. Oh, all right. So nice. the, so I so my family has been very uh, how can I say um, uh, inspirational to me. Yeah. And that's it. I have a number of role models. Yeah, uh, thoroughbred support there. Right, and so yeah. I I wanted to. Uh, excel in the sciences mm-hmm. so I studied biochemistry um, as a as a master's uh, sorry as a bachelor's degree and then I did a master's in biochemical engineering and then I have a PhD in physical chemistry whoa all at the University of Wales College of Swansea wow smart man over here how do you think that the very sci- left-brained yes <laughs> yes well how do you th- how do you think that um, science can relate to day-to-day life like as science as in um as in like microbes as if that that's the correct term to use interact with each other obviously human beings are made up of all of those cells do you think that there are um like big similarities to make easy comparisons like as into how you view interpret science you also interpret life does that make sense so uh, let me try and answer that. I know. Like, do you get what I'm going for here? So, <laughs> so as a scientist, I believe in science. Yes, <laughs> me too. I believe in facts. I believe in data. Uh, so uh, you know, what's happening now in the country uh, is, is very challenging to me, mm-hmm. where, where uh, science is, is being discarded oh, at the, the federal government level. Don't get me started. 
yeah. So, so I so I live my life with that sort of mentality that mm -hmm. science is real, and science is always evolving, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I mean that's Humans, the world is evolving or changing. Epid genetics and, and it's everything exciting. Is a it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's very exciting to me. I love to know how things work, mm -hmm. and uh, and I believe in data. <laughs> Yeah. I just believe in data, good scientific data, and that helps drive decisions, good decisions. Oh. So as I live my life, I, I, I tend to be very data-oriented. I like to gather data to help make decisions. Um, and sometimes yeah, what I'm learning, you know, is, is this is the right side of my brain now talking. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not always perfect, and so sometimes there are gray areas, yeah. and then you have to make emotional decisions as yeah. well. So, so it's... it's, it's it's when you get it right, you know, you're able to uh, incorporate data. But, you know, so I think of that as the, you know, the, the mind and then also the heart. Right. So uh -huh. you, you can you can combine the best of both. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm trying to learn as a leader is is, yes, head based and heart based, too. So oh, that's that's what yes, that seems very ideal. You seem to be doing it very well. And what did you want to do when you were getting your master's of microbiology? Well, or, I, thought I, I, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Um, and I, uh, it was a convoluted decision process. It netted out that I wanted to work in industry. And so... Uh, I, um, the medical industry? Uh, so, um, as a chemist, so it, it, it uh, not necessarily medical, but mm -hmm. in an industry. So I applied to industry, you know, to companies like Unilever, um, British Petroleum, mm -hmm. Procter and Gamble, mm -hmm. and I was offered a job by Procter and Gamble. Okay. So I was I started out in uh, the UK at the European Technical Centre, west of London, for health and beauty care, oh. and so I started working as a formulator uh, at P&G, applying my, my, uh, my chemical skills, yeah. my chemistry skills. And so I worked on emulsion technology for, for Olay. Emulsion technology? Emul emulsion okay, technology. Emulsion. So you okay. think about a cream and a lotion, yeah. um, that's an emulsion. Okay. Uh, so I, I formulated a number of products. I have a few patents. Uh, for some products that wow. I developed for PNG. Oh, like what? Can you tell us? Like something I would know. Uh, it was for a a gel based a gel based moisturizer, a hydrogel. Oh, okay. Those are really big in in Europe. Uh, like hydrogen peroxide or the hydrochloric <laughs> acid stuff. Hydro just means water. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are sort of you know you think think of like a um, an, an, an eye gel. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of consistency. Some some of these clear eye gels, we were looking at making moisturizer, facial moisturizer products um, wow. as, as hydrogels. Wow, I would say I'm very fascinated by this, and not surprised. Um, I feel like I have found in a lot of people whose work I've really loved and who do a great job in whatever field it is that they're doing, they have some sort of science background. And then they incorporate that scientific knowledge and just that model or foundation of thought into something else with more like with more f 
I like to say, like, with more feeling or more arts in general. Like, I know some DJs who were originally scientists, but they just take, like, their algorithm brain and um, and insert beats and songs, et cetera, and make great music, you know? So I feel like you, your brain, that's what you're reminding me of right now. <laughs> well, you look at Da Vinci, right? So mm-hmm. he's an incredible example of... You know, a lot of people think of him as a, as a scientist, you know, incredibly, you know, ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. But he was also an artist, a painter, right? Yeah. So, so, so I think people that can do both are can be incredibly um, impactful and successful in this world. I agree, and I and I feel like that the part those two aspects aren't aren't um, in generations before us. And I can even say like administrations or whatnot, but that that type of knowledge hasn't been valued as much as it is now. And I feel like that's really important going through um, progression as we're talking about that to, to incorporate more of the head and the heart and not just what you um, not just head. And like, like for instance, how um, gym and art programs are being removed from schools. I feel like that is and that's been happening for 20 years, for 30 years now, you know, um, I feel like that funding is more important than funding for math that someone's not going to use when they're older. And you need to exercise both sides of those brains, but I feel like the spirit of the human is more important at times, you know what I mean? And you're still using the left side of your brain uh, while you're, you know, learning. I don't know where I'm going on a tangent now, but like <laughs> why, why you're learning music or something. Well, I think you know? you, when you so, take something away, you're obviously denying yeah. um, the person, the experience. And, and, and I can only speak from my experience where I've been fortunate to be able to to explore both mm-hmm. and so I feel more complete I feel more complete as a person now that I am uh, developing more of you know my right side of the brain yeah. and and uh, and I'm really enjoying that wow so on that the feeling of com- completeness we're that's the sangre life like that's the dream what advice would you give to someone who's looking for that or to live a sound life, live a complete life? Because I, I, I feel like I know a lot of people, not everybody can say that. I'm certainly by no, no means a, a guru. Uh, <laughs> I but can, just in your, I can, in your yeah, advice. I can, only, I can only share what, what I feel and what I've experienced. Uh, I, I, I just started doing it. I... I when I lived uh, so before I moved downtown I lived in Kennedy Heights do you know Kennedy mm-hmm. Heights in the city um so my partner then Marty and I we moved there um in 2001 just after 9/11 and one of the first things that we did You moved downtown in 2001? No, we moved to Kennedy Heights okay. in 2001 from we actually we had very humble beginnings. Uh we we had a small apartment in Forest Park. Mm. And so uh we were able to you know save enough save up enough money to to move to Kennedy Heights and we had a beautiful home there. One of the first things that I did was uh work with a team of people when we learned that uh are you familiar with the Kennedy Heights Art Center? No. So, um, so this is this is a beautiful Victorian building built in 1875. It's on Montgomery Road, and they were going to tear it down. Um, and it, I was sh- shocked because coming from the UK, we we generally don't knock our historic buildings down. I mean, I have a castle right in the middle of my town in so cool. in Wales. Yeah. So so. 
we wanted to preserve the building. It was the mayor's mansion. Uh, Lewis Kennedy uh, lived there. And so Kennedy Heights is named after him. I didn't know that. So we got together, raised some funds, and we saved it from demolition, and we created the Kennedy Heights Art Center. Wow. So I think that really was, so it's like, it's just about taking action, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, back to what I said earlier, it's, it's actions speak louder than words. It's about taking action in life and just doing it. Yeah. And, and what I, what I found with, uh, saving that building was, was that's where I actually started to, to really interact with artists and, uh, you know, just start to experience art at the very local level and start mm -hmm. to appreciate that. And actually, I was, uh, I, I actually took the uh, the role of uh, art director there. So I was, I was responsible for putting on all of the the shows, the exhibitions, and working with the artists to, to you know, to curate their work and and place it in the Kennedy Heights Art Center and market it. Oh my gosh! What year was this? So this was probably a Kenny Hatzart has been going there for seventeen years. It's still going strong. So oh, this is probably this is probably about ten to twelve years ago. Did you a little you, bit more than that? Did you love it? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Wow. So that's that's where I really sort of started to experience the joy and the fun mm -hmm. of doing it and yeah, I'd be up late hanging artwork in you know, in at the center. Uh Working with the artists, looking at their work, uh, learning about them, you know, the stories behind their work, and so that I think that was one of these sort of the earliest. Uh, the uh, I'm I'm not a good artist by any means. I I can't paint or draw to save my life. Everybody's artist different, right? And so 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 I found myself thinking that gosh, you know, maybe this is the way that I can do this. That I can be in artist in mm. air quotes this yeah. is how i can develop the right side of my brain is just to hang out with artists mm -hmm. and be around them and to support them and to appreciate them and their work and and that was i think the the beginning of it and what did you what have you learned from artists on submerging yourself into that part of life that they're cool people that they uh, uh obviously very talented if you really think about it for for when you look at the work you think about the thought process that goes through in the mind of the artist and how that translates into that work i mean it's i, I admire that so much it's like what makes them think of these things mm -hmm. and then to create you know, such a beautiful thing you know either on paper or or a piece of pottery, right? What makes them really sort of think about that to do it? I, I, I feel the same way. I feel like it's ultimate freedom. Yeah. You know, freedom and confidence and like intertwining of the two. And whether they realize, I feel like um, maybe a lot of artists aren't as confident and that's their thing as they act out of that feeling or whatnot, you know, but they're still, um, I feel like it's ultimate freedom with mind elasticity and just going with it, which I think is beautiful. Mm -hmm. We have such great talent here in Cincinnati and we have oh, so many great do. artists. The art scene in Cincinnati is amazing and super thriving. I feel like not a, not a lot of people realize that or not as much. We are very fortunate. I mean, I think we disproportionately have, um, you know, for a city our size, you know, have an amazing art scene. Mm -hmm. Amazing and so fortunate. And I think that is also, 
I think another driving factor for you know, making the city so, so vibrant and inclusive. Yes. Right. And and I, I, I just love meeting artists here in the city. Just Me too. And I feel like if anything, like what has been like Cincinnati, yes, obviously a lot of new buildings have been made and restored. But there's also like we're now the forefront of art. If I could come back as somebody who left Cincinnati in 2010 over the Rhine and then moved back 10 years later, art 100%. And that's in the intricate detail of restoring the the um, facades of buildings and to the murals into Washington Park and the landscape and um, all of the paintings all over the place and on the ground, you know, and all the shops that have come in that are that are displaying artist work, et cetera, and all the gatherings that happen because of it, you know, 100 percent. Yeah, it's just it's it just it's overall just a cool city and a cool vibe and they're just there's just so many layers to mm. cincinnati and this is wonderful i'm like i could just sit here and talk all day <laughs> like i know you're making me love it more and more i feel like as somebody you know it's it's hard i feel like it's easier for someone who's from a place to not appreciate it as much as somebody who moves here you know but cincinnati is changing i feel like it's a whole new you know anyway it's a whole new city and i've come to love it in a whole new way i never thought possible you i know? think cincinnati is in its heyday, you know, as a river city and the steamboats, I think Cincinnati is now having, you know, it's coming into its own again mm -hmm. in a very different way. For sure. So. And it hasn't lost that grit, too. Mm. I Agree. Feel like, I feel like uh, as much as I've moved around and I lived in Clifton before, like the west side, uh, I moved from the west side to Hyde Park to Clifton to Over the Rhine, and then I went and went around, and I never met anyone who had as much grit, or they were, were always surprised by the grit that I had. And I was like, <laughs> it's just from living in the city, babe, in Cincinnati, but like Cincinnati more in a way that that um, like New York or Detroit could compare to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of that, I don't know that that. I lo I love living here. I have so many friends and wonderful memories here and I look forward to building more in Cincinnati and um, I, I have great hopes for the journey that we're on. Yeah, me too. Richard, thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been, uh, this was absolutely wonderful. It's I been like fun chatting with you. I could talk to you all day, <laughs> but thank you so much for everything. And um, is there any place you want to say where people can reach you or on your, do you have an Instagram or at E19 bar, T yeah. dances, when are they coming back? What so, I mean, I think the easiest way to reach me if you've got any questions mm -hmm. is, you know, my email is Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D mm -hmm. at E19bar.com. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Richard, thank you so much. It's been a joy to meet you. And I must say, I have to give a shout out to my bestie, Pam, Pam Kravitz. <laughs> she set this all up and had amazing things to say. So Pam is amazing. She's one of my favorite artists. So, yeah, so when I when I when I think about amazing, cool, fun, you know, talented people, you know, Pam is very much front of mind. Mm, totally. She set my she set my like my whole world up here in Cincinnati. I feel like all the people that I know are because of her. And um She's also a really fun person to talk shit mm -hmm. with too. I yeah. love, yeah. I yeah, feel like she's fun to hang around <laughs> with. She is so, <laughs> so much, fun. so much fun and joy. Yes. Uh, once again, Richard, thank you so much. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. Pleasure. You know what I hope is is a difference here in the city. Well, I think Richard that you're making a huge um, difference in the city here, and so um, 
So 25 years ago, you came here and you're still here. And then you decided to start. So you worked at P&G and then you decided to start the tea dances in 2018. Right. In 2017, actually. 17. Okay. Yeah. And I still work at P&G. So I, I, I have a very full life and schedule. Yeah. <laughs> so, it sounds like it. Um, but P&G has been an incredible um, place to work. Uh, and I've worked in many places mm -hmm. and in many business units. And so I've been with P&G for 31 years. I've only worked for P&G. And, wow. and I have had a blessed career. Mm -hmm. uh, very fortunate uh, to have worked in the UK. Had a short assignment in Caracas, Venezuela. Ooh, how was um, that? It was amazing. It was incredible. Uh, met so many incredible people. Traveled around Venezuela. Uh, traveled around South America. Really got to love uh, the cultures and the cuisines, especially. Yeah. Um, and so we've been really sort of influenced by our travels, my, my husband and I. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've been lucky to travel. And so uh, we've brought little bits and pieces of that back okay, to Cincinnati. So, so when did you and Marty get married? We got married two years ago at our home oh, wow, here in Cincinnati. Nice. So we had 150 people to the oh, house. wonderful. It was so much fun. And uh, uh, we've been together 23 years. Oh, okay. Right. And married for two. So, yeah. Uh, we didn't, didn't so really lots of anniversaries time. to celebrate. Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. So then you decided to start. So the tea dances, do you feel like that's really where you came alive? Well, it's so interesting. So this is this is an interesting story. So, okay. so hang on in there with me. Uh, oh, I'm here. <laughs> so I I just love hanging out with people on a Sunday, fun day afternoon. Okay. Oh my gosh, me too. So we used to go to Neons. I don't know if you remember Neons. Yes. Everyone that went there just has such fond memories, and we miss just the vibe. Oh my god, totally. Like my mom used to go to Neons when she was my age and then I went I lived in Over the Rhine in two thousand eight, nine, ten, and eleven. And I don't know if it was open then. It had just reopened back uh -huh. up. So the famous like, Neons unplugged. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 well, uh, we used to hang out at Neons and then when Neons closed, a lot of my friends within the LGBTQ plus community and mm -hmm. allies, um, we really didn't have a consistent place to gather. Yeah. So I, we were lamenting one Sunday afternoon in, in, in another bar. Actually, it was Mr. Pitiful's. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sunday I love afternoon. Mr. Pitiful's. Yeah. And the Sunday afternoon crowd there was is, is, is a great group of people. So mm -hmm. we were just hanging out, talking. It was February 2017. And I said to Laura, who was one of our favorite bartenders at Neons, who was working at Pitiful's, I said to Laura, wouldn't it be great to do a tea dance? here on a Sunday afternoon. And she said, what's a tea dance? So then I had to explain to her what a tea dance mm -hmm. is. So, Would you mind giving us a little expert, like just a, yeah. an outline of what a tea dance is? Of course. So tea dances uh, were really popular in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. It was really the place to socialize for straight yeah. people and also for gay people. But in those days, it was illegal uh, for gay people to dance in public. Mm -hmm. um, so these were sort of tea rooms where you could dance and it was safe spaces to meet people and go yeah. on a date. So it was illegal for gay people to dance in public. Oh my God, that uh, I don't even want to get on how much that makes me angry. I was on the um, on yeah. the alliance, the LGBTQA um, alliance in, in at UC when I was a student there. And I've always been um, 
a passionate ally. Yes, very That's much wonderful. so. That's wonderful. We need allies. Man, it, it, it breaks my heart. Anyway, at least what, what everyone has gone through just seems so wrong to me. And I also have a Stonewall tattoo. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah. You're so, it's very near and dear so to my cool. heart. <laughs> uh, so, so it was illegal to dance in public. And it was also illegal to serve alcohol to gay people. Can you believe that? No. So. God, no. <laughs> yeah. That is so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, we all know this, but let's just, I need to say it out every time. That is so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... Tea dances for gay people went underground into speakeasies and mm-hmm. places where there were, um, there were, um, there were um, owners of bars that were uh, supportive. Mm-hmm. Gay men would walk into these spaces with a decoy, a female decoy. God, yeah. And if the cops came and raided the joint, then they'd scramble, and you know you'd have an opposite-sex couple of dancing. So it was a way of avoiding arrest and being thrown in jail. Wow. So so that was the scene in the 1950s. And so fast forward to post-Stonewall era. So mm-hmm. Stonewall in 1969 yeah. um, was the start, really, of the global um, civil rights movement mm-hmm. for the LGBTQ community. Wow. And so, uh, and so, tea dances. Then, did they they stopped? No, they didn't. They continued. Okay. So, what 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 you saw then post Stonewall was cities, you know, gayborhoods grow, you know, mm-hmm. emerging in cities, yeah, like New York, San Francisco. So, gay bars, you know, really started to flourish. I feel like the world just became a much better place. You know what I mean? It, it was, really did. It became more alive. It took a it took a, a positive step forward. Definitely, it's a long journey, isn't yes. it? Yes. So, so arduous in the least, <laughs> right? A <laughs> couple of steps forward, you know, one step back. Yes. <laughs> so, so these tea dances continued. Uh, it was a way to prolong the fun weekend. They mm-hmm. were always on a Sunday afternoon, and so uh, they would start around four o'clock and end at seven ish. So that gave people time to grab dinner, uh, get home, and start the week in a relatively, you know. Uh, excited say, place sane state Same, of mind yeah. uh, uh, it was kind of like therapy yeah you know right. you gotta be being around your people and like your tribe is so good for the soul and the heart I feel like it's just makes you it's just self-affirmation that you're living life and you're doing a great job and no matter what anybody says that you're fabulous <laughs> absolutely what do you think absolutely. I feel like at least when, you, if, when you're feeling like a fish out of water is such an uncomfortable place to be and living like that all the time I can say it's tough I think at, at the tea dances, people can really let their hair down yeah. and be themselves uh, in a safe setting, a safe, supportive setting. Yes. So we we started uh, we started doing tea dances in Cincinnati in April of 2017. Okay. So <laughs> so it was actually at Pitifuls. We did the first one at Pitifuls. That's and right. And and how did that go? It was incredible. It, I I created a Facebook uh, page, mm-hmm. an invitation to people, sent it to all my friends on Facebook, and I had a DJ that I, I wanted to uh, to play there. Uh-huh. His name is DJ Thaddeus. Nice. Uh, a lot of the LGBTQ community know Thaddeus. He's been around for many years. Okay. He's such a supportive um, mm-hmm. ally. And so we were there at 4 o'clock. We said it was going to start at 4 o'clock. And... 4.10, there was a couple of people, 4.20, uh, 
more and more people started coming in, and about 4.45, there were about 200 people there. I mean, right from the get-go, obviously there was a space in a place where people were craving something like this. You know, there was a need. You were the there was a call, and you definitely deserve you um, delivered. And I've been to a couple of them, and they are just so much fun. I get too out of control to where it's usually on Sundays. I'm like, I can't start my Mondays like this, so I gotta <laughs> I have to pace myself. Yeah, um, but I love them. And is it been hard? Mm, there's so many things I want to ask. Like, obviously, they're not happening because of COVID. Right. And I feel like, I mean, they, they are like the heartbeat of the LGBTQ community in Cincinnati now. And not only that, you're bringing in a lot of businesses. They're really highlighting new businesses and new spaces. And I love how each one is different and has a different theme. Yeah, I can't believe how they've really grown organically. I mean, yeah. I, that's just that's the word I, I, I use every time. Little did I know when I did the first one that, that it would be so popular, but there really was a need for them. Okay, so you were saying that you were a scientist and, you know, working at P&G and you're happy there, but you really, um, your artistic brain has really come alive with these. So do you, um, do you have a team that plans these and comes up with the themes or whatnot, or is it in the spaces, like the locations, or is it kind of you? Um, it's actually down to me. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's so, so much fun planning them yes. and marketing them on social media. Oh, you do a fabulous job. Thank you, Nellie. Very, very fabulous. It's really as um, it, the information always, is always easy to find and absorb. And I love it. I feel plugged in. We do them once a month. Mm -hmm. And I think the last one we had, uh, we had 600 people oh at gosh. the uh, Hall of Mirrors at the Hilton Netherland Plaza. I miss that one. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Six. It's such a beautiful space anyway. It is. Wait, 600 people. I thought the Hall of Mirrors could only hold 500. <laughs> right? By the way, people that spilled outside into the, okay. into the atrium. <laughs> Wait, can I ask you just um, off the record, do you, I mean, did you? Did people have to pay to go into that one, or how did no, you? No, no. So, so tea dances are always free. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, how we, did you manage we, that? We, we never charge an admission for tea dances because we we think they should be free I, and available to, to well, anyone that's supportive. They totally are. Thank you. I mean, I'm like, you, you're just creating something so fabulous with it. I mean, it just seems like it's a God given right. You know what I mean? And I just ask about Hall of Mirrors. Is isn't it really expensive to rent the Hall of Mirrors? Well, yes, okay. uh, and if you sort of think about it uh, logically, uh -huh. having 600 people there on a Sunday afternoon having a, an incredible time, you know, if mm -hmm. the space doesn't have a booking, right, mm -hmm. and we can come along and bring 600 people, uh, it can be very lucrative yeah, uh, financially, but I think it's just more, it's more than just that. It's, it's a win-win for the space and it's a win for the community. Wow. Because, because many people that come to these iconic spaces in Cincinnati, and mm -hmm. so the tea dances are, are held in various spaces like the uh, Contemporary Arts Center, mm -hmm. the Hall of Mirrors, yeah. the, um, the American Sign Museum. Oh, okay. We've, so we've, we've hit many of the, the real cool spots. Mm -hmm. So if you really think about it, many people may not ordinarily think about going to places like that. Yeah. So so it's a way of uh, having the, the LGBTQ community experience very cool spaces like that. And it's also an opportunity for the venue to uh, to to welcome really the LGBTQ off. community, and it's yeah. it's good it's good publicity for them. It really is. Well, and it's also on a Sunday afternoon, which I feel like just makes it so special. 
And it's not, you're not paying a ticket to go on a Friday night for anything. You feel like you have to wear something, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a, you're making it super, super special. So I would say, did make, did after years of success with the tea dance, have you ever missed a Sunday though? Have you, have you ever missed a month? Since April 2017, we have not missed a month wow. uh, up until COVID. So yeah. the last, so the last one was February mm-hmm. 2020. So this year, February yeah. this year, at the Hall of Mirrors. Wow. And then, of course, in March we had to cancel mm-hmm. because of COVID. And so we actually did, we did host a uh, a an outside tea dance at Rosedale, which was formerly Neons. Yeah. We did that in July. Uh, and, and we we actually had the adjacent parking lot. Yeah. And so what we were able to do was to actually uh, tape off uh, safe spaces for mm. groups that, that so people that would come in groups of ten or less, they'd they'd be within their group and they could sit at the table, and if they wanted to dance, they could do so you know in a safe, socially distanced way. And how and how did it go? It went incredibly well. Yeah. Oh, that was the last one that we did, though, really, and it was it was obviously a much smaller tea dance mm-hmm. uh, because of the space constraints. I mean, we had a lot of space, but because of the social distancing constraints. So, doing these tea dances is this what made you want to open E nineteen? Because now you and Marty have opened the bar of <laughs> the town right now, E nineteen in the Finley Market area. I've been a couple times. And what we mentioned earlier is you and Marty sit at the entrance and welcome everybody. Do you, do you guys don't do that at the tea dances, do you? Yes, I do. You do? Okay. Yeah, I, I try to make sure that I greet as many people uh, as possible mm-hmm. at the tea dances. When you have 600 people going in and out, it's it can be yeah. a bit challenging. Okay. But I do my very best to meet new people mm-hmm. and make them feel welcomed. And wherever I can, I, I help to you know create connections between people. So... People who are new to town, you know, if they're looking to make friends or make connections with certain organizations, volunteer work, I can help make that happen for them. So did you have that in mind when you decided to start these? That no, it would become a social, like a, a town thing? Not, a, not at all. Um, I think, you know, the motivations were a little bit selfish to begin with because I wanted a space to hang out on a Sunday with my friends. Yeah, most are. <laughs> but it quickly became much more than that. Well, so do you? Uh, d- are you feeding into more of the artistic side of you now with these? And do you planning out in advance how far, how many months in advance? It's usually uh, about two months in advance to 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 plan two to three months to plan a tea dance. Uh, I think the the formula uh, is is I've got that pretty down pat now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's working with the venue, making sure the space can accommodate a large number of people, you know, logistically and safely. This is, you know, this is before COVID. Yeah. So that, you know, so even in in situations, you know, before COVID and once we emerge from COVID, you know, we need to have people when they gather in large numbers like that to do so safely. Um, But I think a key driving factor for the venue um, selection is, is, you know, does this sort of, you know, is is this a cool place for for us to hang out in, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 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 that can be, you know, you can assess that in so many different ways. Um, it could be an incredibly supportive uh, management 
Um, it could be an actually fabulous, beautiful space like the Hall of Mirrors, right? Yeah. Um, but the venue is really important. The other piece is music. Yes. And I would say that is probably the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So I have a, a staple of amazing DJs that play at the tea dances. Um, and the music is always very uh, enticing and... You know, it's it's kind of like the what we call the gay anthems and the divas and yes, the dance yes. dance music. <laughs> a little bit of house here and there. Um, I cannot wait until there is a coffee table book made of all the tea dances over the years. I don't know. Uh, does one exist yet? I haven't found one. What a great idea. But it, that needs to happen. Yeah. Definitely. You know there are so many pictures and photographers that are there taking pictures all the time. This is a call. This is a call to action right now. Anyone, please <laughs> email me, Natalie or Richard, so we can make this happen. I love. Oh, that, just Natalie. imagine what a great, ah, what a great Christmas gift that would be. Anyway, so then, okay, so you've done these. So you start these, um, the tea dances, and they're wickedly successful. And then, did you decide before COVID to open E nineteen? Yes, I did. Okay, so how long has that been in the mix? So it's been two years. Uh, wow. From start to, to start to not finish, but start to open. Uh, and so I think the tea dances gave me the courage to, I always thought about opening a bar, but I didn't know mm -hmm. how and what that would look like. And so the learnings from the tea dances um, allowed me to sort of put together the vision for E19. Mm -hmm. and, and what was your vision? So, so the vision was to sort of build on the tea dances, to have a consistent space. So the tea dances happen once a month in various different places, yeah. which is great. And we'll continue to do that. The tea dances are their own, is, you know, it's its own brand. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to do that after COVID. And so, you know, we'll be hopping around yes. the cool spots in Cincinnati again. Yay! <laughs> and so in addition to that, uh, we have a number of LGBTQ um, bars. Um, and, and, you know, my philosophy is more is more, not less is more. Mm -hmm. So when I thought about E19, I thought about, you know, it, it, we have a growing LGBTQ plus population here in the city. Mm -hmm. So we need to have more offerings for a growing, healthy, vibrant community. Well, and also the past two years, so many bars have closed. Um, let's see, what was it, the dock closed? That's been in the, just the past two years, at least three years, you know, and then there was, what was it, the subway and then Spurs. And it seems, did you feel like a lot of the places that you used to call home were closing for your community? Yeah, they were closing for various reasons. Yeah. And so when I, when I did my planning and research for E19, one of the things that I consistently asked people, you know, people are saying, you know, well, bars are closed, gay bars are closing, you know, are you going to be successful? Mm -hmm. and, and I asked them pointedly, it's all well and good, you know, that we have uh, inclusive bars, so straight-owned, straight-run bars that welcome the LGBTQ community, and there are many, mm -hmm. um, which is fantastic. But I asked some of my gay friends, um, in spite of all of that, do you feel safe and comfortable holding hands with your significant other, your husband, your wife? Uh, do you feel comfortable in these inclusive settings do you feel comfortable making out like straight people do yeah and the answer was always no really so despite all of the support and an inclusivity I, I think it goes up to a certain point yeah okay and then when you start showing um you know affection um mm -hmm. 
especially when in in a in a setting where people have been drinking, mm-hmm. it can get very no. challenging, and you know things can happen. Do you think that there is it going to be a time in your lifetime where there won't even be gay bars? They'll just be got that they will there will just be bars, and they won't have to be labeled gay for the um for the gay community. Uh, that's an uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I right now I I feel like we are doing a bit of a one eighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there there is more of a, a desire to have bars that are gay owned, gay run, straight friendly. Okay. And so that's how we refer to ourselves at E nineteen. Wow, that's that's wonder. I didn't think about it that way. I haven't heard it articulated that way, and that's beautiful. So I it's just so just it's just sort of spinning it around, right? And just so, normalizing. So, I hate to use the word normalizing, but yeah, you know what I mean, so many straight bars that are inclusive of gay people will say, "Yeah, we're we're gay friendly." I would like to think of E nineteen as straight friendly. Yeah, cool. Well, it, I mean, it definitely is. As um, as a straight person who I've dated a chick or two in my day, um, but I love E nineteen, and it's. I mean, I I haven't heard anybody say that before, and I feel like there doesn't have to or any sort of special compartment all the time for certain things. You know what I mean? I'm like, does it have to be a gay bar only? Why doesn't that? Because then is, is that not opening it up to everybody else who wants to go? Yeah. You know? Great question, Ali. I think if, if we said we're a gay only bar, that would be that would be so like not inclusive. Yeah. And it would be going against what we really stand for. We are an inclusive bar that serves the LGBTQ community and our allies. Mm. So, of course, we welcome straight people. We want straight people to come there as allies because we need allies. Yeah. Uh, no minority group has been able to achieve any uh, any kind of rights or um, uh, equal benefits without the support of allies. You look at the, look at the women's civil rights movement, yeah. right? women you know, being able to vote. They couldn't mm-hmm. have done that without men voting to say that, yeah, we want to give women the vote. Exactly. Right? Yes, and it, and it couldn't have happened with um, with the normalization of it and in time. I feel like time is a thing too. So yeah. if, um, unfortunately, to say that um, gay marriage was legalized in Cincinnati in the past five years, right? Was it the three well, years ago? Well, well uh, so in 2015, 15, so yeah. that was nationally, right? So yes. uh, that was the Supreme Court decision. And since and since then, you know, I just feel like, did you, uh, do you feel like in time over the past five years, has it gotten, has it changed? I feel like that has drastically changed everything. Like the, the Pride is a big deal to me, and I love being a part of Pride. I've um, done Pride in cities all over over America. What I love about Cincinnati is in the in the three years that I've been there, the past three years, um, they're just straight families with kids running around, which is wonderful. That did not used to happen, and that I don't feel like that would have happened ten years ago. Agree. Uh, I think I think it has normalized the the conversation, uh, normalized people's uh, beliefs and behaviors, mm-hmm. uh, and so it, it, it's a good thing. As I said earlier, uh, it's a journey for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's still two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. And so, you know, we have seen uh, a lot of uh, hateful legislation uh, occurring at certainly at the federal level. You know, with transgender um, troops mm-hmm. not being able to serve in the forces, um, and and so we need to put that right. 
We need to put that right um, at the federal level. We also need to address any discrimination uh, locally. I can honestly say in Cincinnati, I've seen an incredible turnaround uh, from when we had Article 12 on the books. And I know that is an old tape. Um, it's no longer on, you know, it's no longer um, a law where it's, you know, lawful to discriminate mm-hmm. against LGBTQ plus people. Um, and, and the city has transformed. It has become one of the most inclusive cities in the country. We were one of the first cities to ban um, conversion therapy. I know. I love that. Yes. Isn't that, so that's, that's, not, that's not really well known. And every time I say that to people, especially people from out of town, mm-hmm. every time I say that, they're just, they, they just they shake their head in disbelief. And so we need to get that out. You know, we need to get the word out that Cincinnati is a cool place, that it is a place where we have very inclusive policies um, for LGBT plus people. Yeah. Uh, so my part is to create a, a safe space at I E19. Think you're, I think you're like, I think you have a huge part, a huge part in all of this. Um, and putting and putting Cincinnati on the map when it comes to inclusivity and equality and um, in the gay community in general, like ten years ago. And let's see, I went. Was it Chris Yelbach when he first ran? I went to the rally, and I took my little. This was what in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. And I took my little brother who was thirteen, and he. I remember that day he saw. Um, some discrimination happening and he was so attuned to it and so aware and he was like this is so wrong and I thought it was beautiful that a 13 year old can be raised and I was like you're 13 and all the kids younger than you hopefully will be raised under this mentality and like what an amazing what what a huge shift and change and it's only gotten better and better and better and it's like in the past 10 years in Cincinnati especially it's um totally flipped Yes. totally changed and it's it's due and that's due to courageous leaders like chris mm-hmm. and and it's it's about you too. <laughs> thank you yeah uh and chris has been tremendously supportive of of me uh in terms of the tea dances uh at e19 uh so it was wonderful to welcome him and his husband there mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago um and so yeah chris has chris has done so much for the city and and the LGBTQ plus community here. So can you can I ask? Maybe this is off the re- off the record, but does P and G have such a big um, presence in Pride because of you? So P and G does have a very big presence. So we have terrific support within P and G. We have various what we call affinity teams. Mm-hmm. So the LGBTQ plus affinity team is called Gable. Yes, and, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, Gable is one of the uh, is one of three global um, affinity teams within PNG. Okay. And so we have global sponsors. Uh, we have uh, regional leaders and sponsors. I actually was one of the leaders for the North America uh, region. How was that? Uh, so I so I've been part of Gable. I'm still part of Gable. Uh, I'm not in a leadership role now uh, per se but i was i was one of the co-leaders for uh the the north america region Mm -hmm. um and so that's 50 plus sites in north america Mm -hmm. Uh, manufacturing plants are business and technical centers 
Um, and so it was an incredibly rewarding experience. Um, I learned a lot as a leader. Um, I learned a lot about um, the challenges that some of our employees faced. And I like to think that we were able to make a difference for um, for our employees. What is something that you've learned from being a leader at Gable um, that you can relay to us? Something that w- w- one of your most no- noteworthy things? I would say that uh, I often I I tend to flourish better one on one in conversations one on one versus you know large settings. And I think it's really important to to really get to you know. So as a leader, it's really important to to listen and to and, and to, to to listen empathetically with the person uh, with our employee that's that's talking to us about the challenge that he or she is facing, mm-hmm. um, and 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 to show that that he or she has been heard, and then to show that uh, that you know we're taking action. Taking action is it, it's it's that, that it's that old adage that actions speak louder than words and they truly do. I mean, words yes. are hollow. Talk is cheap. Uh, it, it's about taking yeah. action. And one of my mottos is, and I learned this from um, a mentor uh, many years ago. And he said, "No excuse is as good as a as a result. So no true. excuse is as good as a result." I'm gonna write that down. The other thing that I heard was um, 99% commitment is a bitch. 100% commitment is a cinch. Ah. Right? Wow. I so think you solved com- all of my life problems in that <laughs> sentence right there. Are you committed or are you not? Oh, my God. Leaving the door. I feel like I leave the door open to so many things a lot. Like leave, I leave too much room for a mistake or for me to back out or for other things to come in. Wow. So I try to live my life that way. Um, it's not perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, as I, as you know, as as I go about my life here uh, at P and G and uh, at E nineteen, as a husband, as a father, I have two children, um, as a friend, I try to be empathetic. I try to listen to people. I try to take action. Um, and when I make a commitment. I strive to follow through wow. on that commitment. Definitely. Well, it seems like you really are in every <laughs> facet of your life, Richard. And I hope that was easy enough for you to follow along. Thank you so much, Richard. I had an absolute blast meeting you and talking to you. Um, I cannot wait to do it again. Everybody stay safe and stay happy this holiday season. This has been Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. Natalie Jones.